You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly. Thanks for listening to Cyberlaw Business Report. Before you take a recess to hear the latest internet law news and commentary, you are hereby ordered to download the Webmaster Radio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Okay, maybe not ordered. But why not? You can listen live to my show and all our show hosts every day on our live stream or download past episodes with ease. So download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes store or in the Google Play store. It's an open and shut case. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report. I'm here on Webmaster Radio, broadcast live from the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica, the heart of Silicon Beach. Please be seated. We got another great show for you today. Um, we're going to be starting off with having one of our good friends return, um, Mark Rendaza, who um, who actually um, stepped into um, the 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 Donald Sterling controversy with a, a gutsy move by saying time out. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of rushing to judgment here and, um, you know, granted what he said is wrong, but also there's something else very wrong. And we're going to let him explain what exactly that is. And then in the second half hour, we'll be giving you an update on some of the latest um, developments, particularly as it pertains to net neutrality. And um, the White House has released a um, report on big data and privacy. We'll talk about that. Um, today's a big day in news. It's the 99th anniversary of the, the sinking of the Lusitania. And um, for sports fans, um, today is the anniversary of both the shot by Michael Jordan 
And uh, Reggie Miller um, scoring eight points in nine seconds against the Knicks um, in that incredible um, playoff comeback. So, um, so without further ado, let us bring Mark Rendaza on. Mark, you with us? I'm with you. And um, so, um, you you posted a, a, an article on C a column on CNN in which you you explain that yes, what Donald Sterling said is. Uh, Repugnant and you know deserves to be denounced. But there's another there's another thing that's awful here. Why don't you tell us what that is? Well, you know, there's a <clears throat> there's the complete lack of privacy that we now live in. Uh, I mean, you know, I got to be honest. I didn't think that the piece was all that interesting. Uh, <laughs> in fact, uh, when I wrote it, I thought I'd, I'd get a, a bit of hate mail because. You know, we we live in a society where we've decided that being a racist is the absolute worst thing in the entire world, and every other right we have should go to hell as long as we're ferreting out people who don't think the right way on terms of race. Um, and and funny enough, I you know I got very little hate mail on this, so I was I was a bit surprised. You know, I've I've got two real problems with this situation, and one is this this enforced orthodoxy. And just because it's an orthodoxy that I happen to subscribe to, it doesn't mean I'm any more comfortable with this idea that we have to just drum everyone out, uh, take them into the public square and hang them if they don't share our views. Now, <clears throat> Sterling has, for apparently for years, had a record of, of actually engaging in, at least he's been accused of, illegal discrimination, uh, job-based discrimination and housing discrimination. Uh, you know, housing discrimination, I think, is, is one of the most awful forms of it because if, if somebody's simply unable to find a place to live or, fi- or is uh, funneled into a, a segregated community because there's racism in the housing market, that's terrible. That, that I find there, there should be – there's no excuse for that. And, and he did um, enter into a consent decree with the Justice Department for housing discrimination, right. without obviously so, without admitting liability. Okay, so you know, take that for what what you will, but it's not like this is a guy with a track record of being a nice person or being a good person or being good for the NBA brand. And the NBA can decide that they want to get rid of a guy just because he's bad for the brand. It's a private organization. There is no First Amendment right to, to, you know, to be enforced here. Uh, there may be an antitrust right, but look, uh, as uh, bright as you might think I am, I'm not bright enough to talk about antitrust law, so don't, don't even start asking me questions about it. Um, <laughs> I actually started my career in antitrust, so we, we could tag team if you need to be. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, if, if you want to talk about that, great. Uh, you know, there's a guy, uh, there's a scholar, uh, Mark Edelman, who... Uh, who writes a lot about antitrust and sports? Who I think you know he'd, he'd be a great guy to talk to. But I am the wrong mark for this for that job. <laughs> um, you know, but if, shouldn't we have people who you know? Shouldn't we have any tolerance for somebody who has this kind of a view? And I'm not saying that we should be okay with it or we should approve of it. You know, we we tolerated Westboro Baptist Church, and. Did Fred Phelps serve did we? no good purpose? You know, or did he at least serve as a, you know, I've, I have a good friend who's uh, one of the most amazing First Amendment lawyers to ever live, uh, Bob Cornrevere, and his, uh, 
you know, he and I talked about this, and and his view, which which I liked, was that even Fred Phelps stood as a a a negative example for us. It it serves as somebody to bounce the good ideas off of, and I don't mean bounce them off of in a, in a conversational sense, but you know, he's the wall we throw our good ideas at in the marketplace of ideas. Did he serve no purpose, or would it have been better if he had never existed? Uh, you know, in some ways, I, I think that Fred Phelps was probably, and the Westboro Baptist Church should get, uh, should receive a thank you card from the gay rights organizations because I, I feel that there's probably a correlation between his actions uh, and Westboro's actions and the march to, to equality for gay marriage because it it caused people to have to pick a side. You know, people. Are you it, with him? It, yeah, it created sympathy, and it created this. He was such a caricature of bigotry that it made people. I think a lot of normal people who might have carried anti-gay bigotry take a look at it and go, "Wow, is is that what a douchebag I sound like and look like?" <laughs> and and it it pushed people either over the fence onto the right side, you know, what I think is the right side, or at least made them say, uh, you know, I just don't care enough to be like that guy. Although keep in mind, the fact that this guy's a racist, is being a racist really the worst thing in the world? I mean, anybody who's listening, uh, you know, look, I don't know what your grandfather was like, but, uh, you know, everybody has a story about their grandfather or their uncle or their great uncle or this, you know, or grandmother who had really... Uh, antiquated views on race. And I don't know of very many people who don't tell those stories and that, you know, and, but, but who stopped loving their relative for that reason. So it, there is living proof in anybody who continued to love their, you know, their grandfather, as he said something racist in front of them, even though they didn't accept what he, he believed. And even though they didn't adopt it, and they might've even said, Hey, you know, grandpa, that's a terrible thing you said. Uh, and you know, we don't believe that you didn't stop loving him. So there's proof that ra- being a racist is not the worst thing in the world. But you know what? If my grandfather had tape recorded my conversations to try to use them against other members of the family, well, then screw him. He's out of the family if he did that. So I think there is a worse thing. And, and the, that worst thing is, I, I said it kind of uh, colloquially on CNN. I said, there's worse things than being a racist, and one of them is being a rat. Um, and if I'd had a little more than the three minutes, you know, being a rat on your family, being a rat on somebody who, who trusts you, you know, being somebody who is going to be this, who's going to sneakily try to use your privacy against you. you know, there was a time when, I mean, there was a time when even professional journalists wouldn't invade public figures' privacy. You know, every, right. Everybody knew that John F. Kennedy was was you know was nailing Marilyn Monroe, and God bless him no. for it. No, no. If I was president, hey, if I was president back then, and Marilyn Monroe wanted to have sex with me, I'd be like, that's great. I will take the prize. Um, but you know, there was a, there was some kind of decency between journalists and public figures. And that eroded, and yes, the First Amendment gives them the right to do that, and we're not getting rid of gossip columnists. But you know, now it's to the point where you don't have to worry about if you're talking to a journalist. It's anybody, anyone and everyone. And this is, a, uh, this is not a pretty picture. And I, look, I don't see how we fix it. I don't see, at least legally speaking, I don't know how we can fix it with laws.
uh, I don't know how we can fix it technologically, but we can at least fix it with some way of social ostracization, you know, socially ostracize somebody who would do that. You know, I don't care well, if you came into me with a secret recording of, of somebody doing something terrible to me. I would, I would look down on you more than the person who, who was doing something terrible to me. But yeah, and I think that's the point you raised. I think in the CNN piece was that you know here it's, it's technology intruding on in our privacy, technology being used to record private thoughts, private you know, whatever, and then being distributed you know, on, on such a mass scale that that now technology allows, and that you know we're seeing this time and time again, whether it's revenge porn or whether you know the the use of technology to invade privacy and to then disseminate it, it was really, you know, is is also a concern as, you know, that may be even, you know, more longer lasting than racism, we hope. But we're going to talk about that when we get back. I'm going to take a, a short break. Um, you're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report on Webmaster Radio and iHeartRadio, and um, we'll be back with Mark Rendaza. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals. Personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 18th Annual International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. The call for entries has begun, and the deadline to enter is May 30th, 2014. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. The Hook with Katie Kempner. On demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. 
And we're back, and uh, we're, we're talking to Mark Rendaza, the legendary lawyer from Gloucester, now in Vegas. And um, so, Mark, the one thing that's one thing about this whole Sterling thing is the the whole the fact of, of technology intruding. And you, you, do you want to expound on that? Well, technology's not intruding. I mean, the That's people. tape recorder didn't turn itself on, and, and I'm not trying to be pedantic. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's how people are behaving with the technology that is the problem. Uh, you know, it's, it's always been possible that, you know, you and I could be sitting as trusted confidants, uh, and, and I could say, hey, Bennett, uh, I got a secret to tell you. Or we're just having a, a conversation that I presume is, is going to be kept confidential. And you can go ahead and go repeat it to somebody. I mean, if it was 1845, you could do that. <clears throat> but the spread of your betrayal would have been checked simply by the fact that the media isn't so pervasive. Not every single person has access to a worldwide distribution network back in the 1840s, right? <clears throat> but now we're everybody's, even a slip-up, I mean, let's, you know, Stiviano says that she didn't leak the, the recording, and uh, maybe she's telling the truth, maybe she's not. She says that she had permission to record it. Maybe she's telling the truth, maybe she's not. But even, let's just presume, she had the right to record it, and she didn't leak it. It just fell into somebody else's hands. <clears throat> but it's still distributed worldwide, what this guy thought was a private conversation, uh, you know, same as a, a revenge porn photo where, where somebody would think it's a, it's a private image and next thing you know, it is the primary thing that the entire globe knows about you. And I don't think that there is enough questioning of that. You know, if there's the, – the end seems to justify the means <clears throat> to too many people. Too many people look at this and say it's a good thing because if we hadn't had someone spying on him and then leaking his conversation, we never would have gotten this awful bigot out. And frankly, I think that we would be better off if everybody said, so what? Yes, he's a bigot. Find another way to show me. If, if I were commissioner of the NBA, I might convene the owners to say, should we throw this guy out? Is he bad for the brand? But I would admonish them all to not – consider the recording consider his prior record consider other things that we know about him but take that recording out of the conversation because i, I would rather live in a world with a certain degree of tolerance for a few bigots uh, that you know quite honestly i don't think anybody who thinks like him is going to be alive in 10 years anyway um, <laughs> well, he does have cancer but you know it's interesting well, mark twain had a quote that um <clears throat> The problem, you know, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth gets its pants on. And, and think about how long ago Mark Twain was. And um, and so here, I, I don't think the truth even gets its pants on before everyone knows. But another thing about Sterling that was interesting is that I, I heard – it one that revealed bad journalism. So I heard a lot of journalists who said, yeah, these, this, this has been well known. Um, we just didn't report it because we, you know, since it's been so well known, we didn't think people cared, or you know, since the Clippers stunk, we, you know, why bother? And, and so it's like he kind of got a pass, and everyone knew that yes, duh, you know, this is what he thinks. And um, even right. Doc Rivers, who's only been there a year, said, you know, you know, there's more there. 
Um, but we're just not going to go go into it. So in some ways, Sterling might be getting off easy if this is all he's you know he's he's slammed with. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, look the the I don't know if I don't know what the story was here before. You're right, um, but I don't think we have what I'd call a a, a very active press corps anymore. Um, and if it is if it, if it is important that we expose this guy for being a racist, which again I don't even like the word a racist. You know the the term a racist. Well, why is somebody a racist. So, you know, if somebody has a, a bigoted view, if I believe in uh, a, a number of different things, you know, that you know, some of them popular, some of them unpopular, that makes me that thing that defines you. This is all he is. Um, it, you know, it's, it, it's like, you know, you're either a racist or you're not. Come on. I'm going to, I'll take, you know, Nelson Mandela, Desmond Tutu and, and, uh, and, and, Gandhi and Martin Luther King and line them all up. I'll bet you I find some kind of bias in their thought. It doesn't make any one of them a racist. Now, of course, I'm not going to, uh, you know, people should throw rocks at me if they uh, correct, if they think I'm comparing Donald Sterling to those, those guys. But it's just, it's such a witch hunt mentality. And if we think back to 50 years ago, you could be fired from a job in academia for being too tolerant of homosexuality, or you could be fired from a, another job for being too tolerant of communism because those were the wrong things to think at the time. And, right. you know, as para- paraphrasing Holmes, look, time has, has un- unseated many fighting faiths. So, I'm not saying that we're. I, I believe we will wind up once again in a in a in a place where society says, you know what, uh, being a bigot's actually okay. Um, but and, and I'm not saying we need to leave room so that can happen. But I think we need to leave room so that orthodoxy is not so strongly enforced, so as to make people afraid to even ask the question. You know, like I wanna, I would love to to launch a a, a series of of debates where we simply take things that we hold to be culturally self-evident and challenge them. You know, what's wrong with asking, is democracy a bad thing? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that it is, but why don't we challenge that? Why don't we take things that we firmly believe in and challenge them? Sit down and say, is racism bad? And while we might think it is, uh, you know, is there any good part of racism? But, just to have, if I would, if I would even have the audacity to put on such a debate, I'm sure I would be pilloried as a racist for even asking him, the question. And and I think let's you, go back to is your question. Yeah, let's go back to your yeah. question: Is democracy good? I mean, that's a debate. That that's something that has some level. There's an intellect behind it. There's some you know value to that discussion. But you know, having views on race like sterling that's just that's just plain ignorant how do you how do you engage that debate it may be ignorant but why you know look it would it be would it be really ignorant to to have a a pair of people or five you know learned scholars sit down and say was apartheid a good thing after all now that in hindsight what's wrong with having that conversation because i would imagine that we would get to the end of that. My theory in such a thought experiment would be 
even in hindsight, we will look at that and, and say, yeah, apartheid was bad and it's good that it's gone. But what is wrong with having the, 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 the equivalent of a, an intellectual experiment just to challenge your hypothesis? If nothing else, you get to that point and you say, see, I was right. I didn't just take it on faith. I took it, I questioned it, and I've come to the same conclusion. There's value in that. There's value in tolerance of ignorant opinions. There's value in some tolerance of, of the KKK, of the Nazi party. There, there's some value in tolerance of any view that you might find objectionable. I mean, heck, I, well, I, find, uh, you know, I find Catholicism to be objectionable, but you know what? I left room in my, <laughs> left room in, in my view to the point that, you know, Pope, simultaneously, Pope Francis is one of my biggest heroes right now. So, you know, if, if I had just decided I'm going to be the orthodox atheist and there's not a damn thing that any religious leader, especially not, uh, not a Catholic, is going to tell me that I'm going to believe in, well, there would be no room for me to admire Pope Francis and, uh, you know, frankly, extol his virtues. So, I mean, I think everybody, no matter what you hold dear as a belief, you should sit down and question yourself every day, even if you think it's, you know, how could anybody disagree with me? As soon as you say, how could anyone disagree with me? You're an idiot. You're wrong because someone could disagree with you and you're getting complacent. Even if the end of your debate with yourself is that you come to the same place, anticipate the arguments against it. In, well, Mark, there's in, one, one thing the I think is in it. There's one thing I think um, that you um, you can't disagree with, and that is that I know you have a, a 10:30 call, so I, I want to keep you in good graces with your clients. Um, but I want to thank you for for um, joining us. This has been fun as always, and uh, hopefully I'll I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And um, all the best to you. When people want to yes, um, learn, I will see you. What, what's your website, Mark, for, for people who want to check check out your views? Uh, well, uh, my, my firm's website is randaza.com. That's R-A-N-D-A-Z-Z-A. Uh, I blog at the Legal Satiricon, but uh, I have to admit I haven't. Uh, I don't feed the blog as much as I uh, as I used to and as much as I should. But um, you can. It's a, uh, it is hey, a um, ABA. I will accept um, hate mail at either address. It is an ABA 100 blog. So for that, take that for what it's worth. It's a a well known blog, and um, as always, Mark, it's been a pleasure. Take care. Thanks. Anytime, Bennett. And um, you know, Mark has been a great, a great um, friend to the show, and he's always <laughs> colorful as always. Um, the he comes from Gloucester uh, in, in Massachusetts, you know, the town from the the perfect storm, and uh, it's a major fisherman's um, village. And there's actually a memorial in Gloucester for all the fishermen. Um, who've been lost in over the years from that community, and um, but um, transitioning from fish, uh, we have a number of stories that we're going to go over. Um, first, this is a couple of reminders and announcements. Um, you may recall that we had Stan Stall on um, to talk about um, what he's been up to and um, their upcoming summit, the ISSA summit, um, and that is still um, coming up. It's going to be um, this month, actually. So. You want the ISSA Summit is um, definitely an event to check out. Um, it's their sixth annual one, and then um, they're going to have 
um, Richard Clark, the from the National Security Advisor, former National Security Advisor on um, cyber um, cybersecurity and um, terrorism, and um, so that will be taking place May sixteenth and University City, you know, Universal City, um, May sixteenth. Uh, and it's an all-day event. Uh, I went last year. It was really well attended, really great event. So um, you might want to check that out. In addition, on June 12th, um, which is actually the birthday of um, President George H.W. Bush and the first day of the World Cup, on June 12th, um, the California Bar um, will have the um, their annual IP and the Internet Conference. And that will be held in Los Angeles at Lux Hotel. Um, you'll be have you'll be hearing a number of our guests uh, on the show. I'll be um, kind of semi emceeing it, and uh, we'll have Ian Ballin will be be appearing. And um, interestingly, would be Chris Kelly, the former um, chief privacy officer of Facebook, who's now one of the owners of the Sacramento Kings. Um, he and I will be having a discussion about um, you know, dealing with. Issues, ethical issues on the internet. So it's going to be a great, a great forum. We'll be covering a lot of the hot topics of the day. So that's um, going to be June 12th at um, the Lux um, Lux Hotel in Los Angeles. It's just right off um, Sunset Boulevard. So definitely check that out. But a big story that's been developing in um, Washington and you know, on, on net policy is the current debate over. Um, Net neutrality, and in particular, the the FTC chairman, new chairman Tom Wheeler, who seems to be okay with allowing companies such as Comcast or others to um, basically um, create fast track lanes on the internet, where if you pay their bounty, um, they will allow you to to um, you know, a priority in streaming your material um, to consumers. And it's a key issue because with the growth of Netflix, um, obviously with some popular series such as House of Cards, and in addition, in the growth of what is known as cord cutters, people who are no longer watching cable television but just getting all their content strictly through the internet, um, you know that this is a big issue for them. And the the ISPs are also content creators. You know, cable companies have their own programming, and so they they're really resistant to cord cutting. And in fact, there's a new study out that shows that um, they actually have been creating congestion in the net network. They've been reducing capacity um, in order to create um, the congestion so to make it more difficult to um, stream videos and whatnot through groups like Netflix um, as a way to frustrate that the, the expansion of cord cutting. And so that in itself is very disturbing, and uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, so with this proposal, the, F- the allowing people like Comcast, you know, entities like Comcast, to charge for um, uh, basically a high-speed lane is very different. It's been very troubling. And um, the FCC new chairman Wheeler said, "Well, actually, it may not be a bad idea, but." Um, the problem is, is that there's a, the FCC has already taken a position on that and explained um, why it's bad. And just, just, only, just only in 2010, um, you know, FCC, former FCC chairman Julius Janikowski, Wheeler's predecessor, 
said that um, these type of things are dangerous. And in fact, here's a quote. If permitted to deny access or change edge providers for prioritized access to end users, broadband, broadband providers may have incentives to allow congestion rather than invest in expanding network capacity. Um, side comment, you know, that's, that, that appears to be exactly what is happening. As you know, we have this you know, f- created congestion uh, in order to force um, these companies to come to the table. Um, further quote, broadband providers would be expected to set inefficiently high fees to edge providers because they receive the benefits of these fees, but are unlikely to fully account for the detrimental impact on edge providers' ability and incentive to innovate and invest, including the possibility <coughs> excuse me, that some edge providers might exit or decline to enter the market. Moreover, fees for access or prioritized access could trigger an arms race within a given market segment. If one edge provider pays for access or prioritized access to end users, subscribers may tend to favor that provided service, and competitive edge providers may feel they must respond by paying too. Fees for access um, for prioritization to end users could reduce the potential profit that an edge provider would expect to earn from developing new offerings and thereby reduce edge providers' incentive to invest and innovate. Um, and then, you know, let alone the fact that internet users have already paid to get this content by subscribing to the, the ISP service. Why should they, in essence, have to pay twice? Because you know, they will be. You know, whatever the uh, Netflix and others are charged, that is a fee that's going to be passed along to them. And so, you know, this in essence is double dipping, and and you know, I'm just—it's really surprising and very disappointing to see that the FCC has um, appears to be going that route. Now, their proposal hasn't been fully um, set out, and it has not been submitted for a commission vote yet. But already, this huge opposition in the tech community. In fact, the co-founder of Reddit is actually starting a campaign in which he will. Um, He's crowdfunding to raise money to have a billboard um, located near the FCC's headquarters to uh, you know denounce and you know, and promote um, you know, a pro net neutrality position. So it's it's very interesting this development and uh, the tech community has been largely um, and resoundingly uh, against this. Um, obviously, the ISPs would be on the other side of the, that equation. So it's definitely um, something we're going to be watching. Uh, it's very disappointing, though. It, it comes at a time when the EU actually is taking a strong pro-net neutrality position. And here we have um, this happening. And it's interesting. There's all this fuss about you know, the ICANN um, giving up its limited administrative role um, vis-a-vis the domain system um, with ICANN and you know, and all this talk about you know, uh, Obama, President Obama is giving away control of the internet. You want to talk about giving away control of the internet? This is it. You know, this is control of the internet. This is allowing um, the the cable companies to to set a bounty for you know what gets through and what doesn't. And um, you know, and, and you don't hear people shouting about that. And this is really, for you know, this is the the most dangerous thing to. Happen um, in internet in recent history because it would allow them to you know, do it for any number of reasons. It could be used to discourage content they don't like. You know, if you want to do one popular speech, well, we'll charge you more. And so that is that is the dilemma of what's going on. And um, so I think it's and and that and clearly the antithesis 
of what we're talking about in terms of a free and open internet. It's certainly uh, against, um, you know, fairness for consumers because you're making consumers in essence pay twice for the same service. And um, it's going to stifle innovation. It is not going to lead to anything really promoting greater a greater internet, um, greater access to internet, or even a more expansive internet. It's really just going to be um, this is just a, a ransom. Um, basically, they're, they're holding their customers hostage unless you know, Netflix and them pay this ransom, and that's that. This should not be allowed. So interesting stories have been coming out. Um, there's one in the New York Times about um, Steve Jobs and um, his um, – they called him a walking antitrust violation. And there are a number of other cases that come out about you know, certain antitrust violations and collusion among some of the Internet companies such as Google and Apple. And uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute because um, you mentioned earlier we, I do have some of the antitrust background. But we're going to take a short break and when we come back, we're going to be talking more about the latest news in the Internet and sector. Um, you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report only on Webmaster Radio FM. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. And a pitch. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention, like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Welcome to the home of the latest search marketing news and views of the world. Welcome to the state of search. Search marketers from around the world discuss the latest headlines and issues in search engine marketing, social media, and more. State of Search. On demand anytime inside the International Marketing Channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and over the weekend, the New York Times ran a story about Steve Jobs 
and、um, talking about him as a、uh, walking antitrust violation. And it's interesting, I think, in new economies sometimes that they think they're、um, different to subject to different rules or. Um, than the traditional economy, and, and for those who remember the early days of the internet,、um, you know, I remember、um, people saying, "Well, the internet's different. You know, it's it's this kind of own space." And、um, you know, for example, one of the phrases I remember hearing over and over again: "Well, the internet's different, and it's the top line that matters, not the bottom line." And I just remember thinking, "Okay, we'll let's see how far you get with that." And then, of course, you know, the crash happened, and we all know what happened to the top liners. But、um, but there is there is a tendency in, in new environments to think that somehow we're different and different rules apply. This year is the 100th anniversary of the FTC, and、um, the FTC is、um, comes a result、um, partly through regulation, and one of them is. Your early、um, turn of century legislation, and one of them is the Sherman Act. And the Sherman Act was、um, developed to、um, deal with some of the growing concentration of, of industries and trusts in the,、um, in the American economy, including you know Standard Oil and some of those others that were、um, really developing. And、um, and so what's interesting is that.、Um, it, Those laws still apply, regardless of what technology we're deploying. And Steve Jobs was、um, has recently come to light. One for the role of Apple in the、um, e-book antitrust case, and has found that there was kind of this conscious plan to fix prices in e-books. And you know, Jobs basically was able to get the publishers together and sign off on you know having a higher price and.、Uh, In, in, in order to get you know, distribution through iTunes, and、um, but also apparently he was he was very much involved in enforcing what was a no poaching、um, regime in Silicon Valley, in which you know, he would not poach、um, employees from Google or Microsoft, and and、um, they would do likewise. In fact, the, the reports in exchange. Um, with Google, where he reminds them of that, and says apparently they had violated by hiring someone, and Google replied to Jobs saying, "Don't worry, we're firing that guy," and and, and、um, Jobs replies with a smiley face. Well, that、um, <laughs> that smiley face email would be enough to convict him of possibly of a criminal violation under the、uh, antitrust laws. I mean, obviously Steve Jobs is no longer with us, but.、Um, What they've done is, you know, eliminated a market of competition for、um, employees, and and that's really what that was trying to do. That was eliminate competition for employees, and that's why, in, for example, California non-compete clauses often are not enforced because employees should be free to you know, obviously work where they wish. Um, <laughs> we did pass the Thirteenth Amendment, which prohibited slavery. So,、um, in And they want to make sure that employers, employees, are free to work for whom they choose for. They're not indentured servants. And so here, with this agreement, basically, they were eliminating competition、um, for employees, and and that's a major problem. And and same thing, what's going on now in that neutrality with these、um, this latest report that there's somehow data suggests that there's this conscious、um, parallelism. Is a phrase that's often used is when you, you can't often prove 
um, an evidence of an antitrust conspiracy because very rarely do they put it down on paper, although Steve Jobs apparently appears to have done so many times. But um, And so you look to their actions, and when you have major ISPs all acting in a similar way to reduce capacity, um, you know that that is against their business interests and on a um, a, a normal in, in, in particular economic theory, you would not do that. That would be against your interests. And so, by taking this action, what they're doing is trying to act concertedly, and that's one thing the Sherman Act prohibits. It prohibits you know conspiracies to restrain trade. And in essence, what they're trying to do is create a market where. Um, it makes it hard for certain services to penetrate the market because they are limiting bandwidth, and that in return those services then will have to pay a bounty to them. Um, you know that is a classic, you know, antitrust type case, and it'd be interesting to see what the Justice Department goes after that. Because on one hand, you will could have the FCC saying, "Hey guys, this is great. You know, I'm okay with them charging for both ends of, of the same content," and. Um, but you could have the Justice Department investigating them um, for that very same um, system. And so I, I honestly hope some regulator goes after it. If this is true, and this has just came out, I honestly hope some regulator goes after them for that. Because um, you know, that is distorting the market. So um, you know, that's something that definitely should be addressed. It's a, it's a major story, though, and I think what we're seeing is a, a, a recurring theme in that uh, and people need to – the industry needs to understand that antitrust laws do apply. You, know, you can't talk to your competitor on price. You can't um, agree is destructive of competition and uh, destructive of free enterprise. And, uh, and what is you – know, and we've seen – you know, historically, there's a reason why we don't want monopolies and restraints of trade, because it discourages innovation. I mean, everyone points to Microsoft as, you know, the monopolist and you know, and, and a lousy innovator for, for much of that period. You know, where where it seems to do better is in when it's trying to compete and play catch up. And so, you know, the antitrust laws do apply. In this in the cyber world, and I, I think that it's good to see that this may actually um, be good to see some enforcement in this area because I would just emphasize just how true that really is. And um, so, definitely keep an eye on that story. We think that's an important one. Now, another story I found interesting really has been um, this development of the the White House looking at the. Um, um, Big data and in calling for the need for um, greater privacy protections, but um, even there, there's been some talk about that the proposal did not go far enough. And um, I don't know if we have time to really discuss those fully, but um, if you go to the White House um, blog on WhiteHouse.gov, they have a full explanation of really what they're trying to do there. And um, I encourage you to check it out. But um, the White House does believe that this the data they have shows high concern among consumers about some of these practices. And um, so there is a a need to be addressed. And what's interesting as this is happening, you know, the industry has tried to respond to this um, concern over big data and tracking by trying to create a do-not-track mechanism, you know, through voluntarily. And and by doing that, they, 
um, you know, have different mechanisms where a consumer can you know, click an icon and then try to opt out. Um, what's happened in the process is there's been debate over you know what exactly is you know what was the the scope of an opt out and how it should be done, and um, and the debate over how this should be done has stalled, and um, and so you have some people taking a more strident view, particularly Mozilla and industry, uh, accusing them really of just trying to um, more or less eliminate advertising from the internet, and there've been some very strong positions stated, um, but several companies have started opting out. So, for example. Um, Microsoft at one point said we were going to make um, do not track and a default position. And many advertisers said, well, no, uh, we won't honor that because that is not consumer choice. You are choosing for them. And if the consumer firmly chooses to opt out, we will respect that. And now um, with this current debate expanding, Yahoo just announced they are no longer going to recognize um, do not track. as and um, And so in response... You have Mozilla trying to create um, a, a, a Chrome um, add-on that will allow you to block sites that do not respect, do not track. And then California recently passed a law that forces companies to state in their privacy policy what is whether they honor do not track requests. And so this is, um, I think, as people start discussing the White House proposals on big data um, you're going to have in Congress starts revisiting do not track you know this is an issue that will come up and uh, it seems like it's going to become uh, a hotter issue obviously because of these very um, the fact that there seems to be such divergence with some segments saying you know forget it when we're just going to forget this whole do not track thing um, when other parts are saying no we're going to enforce it even more you know obviously with Mozilla coming up with such a tool so do not track is an issue we're going to be coming back to and hopefully we'll have someone to speak to um, the whole battle for revenge porn um, continues in different states and even internationally and uh and it seems to be part of a broader discussion about cyber harassment. And um, there's an interesting study that was released um, that says, suggests that you know trolls on the internet, in some, you know, particularly the more sadistic trolls who are just you know spew venom over and over again. And I think I've encountered quite a few of them. Um, that in in one level, actually, you know, they're no different offline. And it, it, it posits the question of whether or not a troll um, activity on the internet, in some ways, could be displacing more um, damaging um, activities offline. And it, it reminds me of a there was a play we saw I saw a few minutes a few um, a few months back called the the Netter, and um, it was about this guy being prosecuted for engaging in virtual um, pedophilia in that he was going to some um, virtual reality site that, and this is, is set in the future, going to a virtual reality site in which he was acting out, um, you know, pedophilia, and, but the, the children actually were played by adults who were also acting out pedophilia and, you know, they're from the opposite side. 
and that and he was being punished for it. He says, so what am I to do? You know, but I, and the, I do this in the virtual world, so then I don't do it in the real world. So no one's harmed. And you know, this, this new study suggests that you know, to an extent what these trolls on the Internet are doing may be preventing them from doing worse offline. And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, we're going to try to contact them and get, get more information because you know, that, that raises an interesting question. But, but they're also, let me clarify, what, what they're doing on the Internet is not without harm. It is causing substantial harm to people. It's causing harm to their reputation. It's causing them great distress and a great distraction. I mean, these guys are just a pain. And, um, you know, and some of them are quite frankly pathetic. Um, but you have to deal with them. And, and, and that in itself, to the extent that it's just people are being distracted having to deal with these losers, is itself a problem. But, you know, arguably, there's potential they could be doing far worse offline. So that's an interesting discussion. And that's another one we'll be having. So, um, I want to thank uh, Mark for joining us. And now next week, um, we're going to have our Silicon Beach congressional debate. And we're really excited about it. And it looks like we're going to have um, five of the, the six um, remaining candidates that we invited to join. Um, we've already um, talked to Ted Liu. Um, he seems to be the front runner with endorsements um, from practically all the major Democratic establishment. Um, we Today, we've also interviewed um, David Knuth, who is the top fundraiser. In the field, we have an interview scheduled with Matt Miller, who has been endorsed by the LA Times. Um, we uh, also are in the process of scheduling Marion Williamson, who apparently Alanis Morissette is recording a song for. And then Elon Carr, who's um, one of the leading Republicans, or the sole Republican, I think. No, there is one other Republican in the race. Um, he's reached out. We, we expect to be scheduling him as well. And so, so far, there's only one candidate in the race we haven't scheduled and or heard back from. That's Wendy Gruel, um, the um, former um, candidate for mayor. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that I did endorse her opponent. But any event, um, looks like we're going to have a full slate next week. Um, we'll just jump in and we'll air the, the views of all the candidates we've got. And you'll get to hear what they have to say on some vital issues for Silicon Beach. And you know, to the extent that we, um, we we don't have enough time to air all of them, we'll air the ne- the rest of them on um, the next show, May twenty first, and um, we hopefully will have um, some executive tech executives joining us to talk about their views of the candidates and the race. So we're going to be air- having a full um, Silicon Beach week next week. Be sure to join us, and we're going to be talking about uh, major issues for this campaign in twenty fourteen. So um, be be sure to be there. Tell your friends. And that's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. Uh, be sure to check us out at internetlawcenter.net. And be sure to download our the Webmaster Radio mobile app. Take us with you. Send us a postcard. We'd love to hear from you. And all the best. So quarters adjourned. We will see you next week on Cyber Law and Business Report. This is Bennett Kelly signing off. Have a great week. Bye-bye. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. 
any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.